The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message. Well, this brings back a lot of memories coming to Richmond. This is where I went to school, went to EKU uh, back in the day. Uh, I wish, I wish I could have come to a church like this. Uh, when I was in uh, college, uh, I was uh, not saved at the time. It was a great battle for my soul at that time. I was, uh, it was um, just a very lost soul, and uh, actually gave my heart to Jesus here in, um, in in Richmond in my apartment, watching the 700 Club uh, with Pat Robertson. Uh, so it wasn't Billy Graham, but Pat Robertson, you know. So, but uh, just so it just brings back a lot of memories. Showed my kids this morning the campus a little bit. My goodness, it's changed so much. Since I was here back in the Stone Age, but um, praise the Lord. So, so good to be with you guys. I want to come this morning and just brag on God this morning. I want you guys to know that your partnership with us has made a huge impact in the Philippines. And I want you to go away knowing in your heart that you're not only impacting Richmond, Kentucky, but you're impacting uh, the whole world with the missionaries that you're supporting, especially with those of us in the Philippines that you've been partnering with. Um, this is my family. This is, like I said, my wife and I come this morning. Uh, this is my daughter, Chloe. She's with me. She's six years old now. And there's uh, Mr. Levi sitting in my lap. They're at the, um, they're in the, the kids' church. They were both born in the Philippines, born in Manila. And then Mr. Caleb was born back in September, so we wanted to have at least a one American child. And so he was born uh, in Lexington, and and, uh, and that's our family. And we've been serving, uh, my wife and I have been serving uh, in the Philippines since 2008. We'd only been married less than two years, and the Lord began to speak to us about the Philippines. And so we just sewed everything we had and um, packed our bags and went, not really knowing what we were even going to be doing. Just went by faith, trusting God that he would open up the doors for us. And so when we got there, we began to partner with a lady uh, from New Zealand, of all places, who was working with some street kids. And she was just working and, and just helping to feed some of these street kids and, and just being the hands and feet of Jesus with no real agenda whatsoever other than just to, to love on these kids. And so we went into the parking lot. the next slide. We went into the park and began to work with these kids. And, and that picture, uh, I guess it's on my my right here left is actually some of the, the original kids we were working with. And, and we would just love on them. And we would take a little CD player and we'd have Hillsong music and, and we would have some jump ropes and we'd play games with them and things like that. And, and you know, they're just, they're, they're kids that live on the street but they have a home at the same time so they'd kind of live on the street for a few days and maybe they'd go back home. And this is just very chaotic lifestyle and, you know, very, very, very poor. We begin to work with these kids, and, and, and God began to move in their lives. These children, these street kids, begin to, to get saved and begin to give their hearts to the Lord, and some of them got baptized, and, 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 and they would go home and, and, and back and forth and so forth, and, and their parents noticed that there was a difference in the lives of their children. They said, what's going on with you guys? You're, you're acting different now. And so some of the parents began to kind of come to our little meeting that we were having with the kids. And, and this is an actual, this is where it actually kind of all started right there in that picture there. It's just a, a dirt floor, um, a cinder block about this high, a tin roof, and uh, as you can see, plenty of window space. <laughs> we didn't have any windows or anything. And, and, and just some of the parents began to come, and, and God began to move in the lives of some of these parents. And guys, it was nothing we were doing. It was just very simple ministry. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. We love you. And, and that was it. And so 
some of these parents begin to get saved, begin to give their hearts to Jesus. And, and one of the parents said, hey, why don't you come to my house, and we will have a house church. So I said, okay, that sounds great, let's do that. So, so we went to one of their homes, and their homes you know, are half the size of your stage, uh, tin roof, dirt floor, you know, one room. Um, if you've been to a developing country, you kind of get the idea, you know what I'm talking about. So we go in and, and we begin a house church. And this house church begins to grow and people are, are, are getting saved and they're getting set free. Some of them are, 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 are demon oppressed. Some of them are even possessed. And, and they're getting set free from all kinds of junk and things that they've held on to all their life. And, and um, you know what it's like when you got saved. You know the things that you laid down. And, and this house church began to grow so much so that nobody else could fit in. That was 12 people, you know. <laughs> And so one of the members of that house church said, hey, why don't you come to my house and we can start a second house church? We said, sounds great, let's do that. So we go down the dirt path about a half a kilometer and they start a second house church. And once again, God is moving. It's a small, tight-knit group just playing worship music, sharing the word, very basic messages. People get saved. They're inviting their neighbors. You know, they're all, they live in like a cluster, you know, and and, uh, and, and then that house church began to grow. And so somebody said, hey, nobody else can fit here. Why don't you come to my house? We'll start a third house church. And so we go down the dirt path a little bit further. We'll start a third house church. Then there's a fourth and there's a fifth house church. So many so that we said, hey, we need to raise up local leaders to lead these house churches. So we started training local Filipinos to lead their own house churches. We would meet with them on Thursday afternoons and say, hey, this is the passage of Scripture you're going to discuss these are some worship songs you can play. Let the Holy Spirit move. Fast forward eight years. There's now 60 house churches. With about 1,200 people being ministered to on a weekly basis. And these house churches meet anywhere from Monday through Sunday. Some of them meet at 10 a.m. Some of them meet at 6 p.m. All different hours of the day whenever the people can get together. And it's just amazing what God has done. And that's not a, nothing that we have done in the harvest. It's just the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to know that you have an inheritance there in the Philippines. You know why? Because you partnered with us to allow us to go to train up those local leaders. And now there's a huge harvest coming forth. So when you guys get to heaven, you know what? You're going to have an inheritance there. There's going to be Filipinos that are going to come up to you and say, Hey, thanks for sending that bald-headed guy from Kentucky, you know. We they were able to train us and help us, and, and, and look what's happening now. So I just want you to see that, that you guys have allowed us. You planted seeds in our ministry, and we planted seeds in their ministry, and now there's a great harvest, and that's how this thing works, is planting seeds. And so you need to take that to heart. This is a typical picture of a house church <clears throat> uh, that's on, on, the, um, on your right. This picture right here is, uh, is, is, uh, is a house church that's uh, finished meeting, and they're having what they call Marienda which is a, like a snack, you know. And, and so this is a typical house church that's meeting uh, on a regular basis. And so just to, just, you know, glory to God, but God always works through people, and he's worked through you, and you've partnered with us, and, and now we have an inheritance there. And so just, I just wanted to say, if you don't hear anything from this missionary this morning, I want you to know just how thankful, how thankful we are for your partnership. So, so thankful for your sacrificial giving and giving to missions. You won't regret it when you get to heaven. I can assure you that you will not regret it. Uh, let me just tell you some stories about some of the people that, that make up some of these house churches. You know, it's kind of one thing to talk about numbers. Let me just tell you some of the testimonies. You know the next slide. This is a, a lady by the name of Juliet. <clears throat> when we first met Juliet, she was so full of fear, so uh, uh, just just very backwards, would not even look you in the eye when, when, when you would 
talk to her or try to interact with her. Just, just the least likely person you ever thought God would ever use. The least likely person. Wouldn't say two words, shy, backwards, just had a bad family life. And, and Julia began coming to our street church. We had street church every Wednesday morning in the local park. And street church was just wild. You know, there would be talk people there throwing up, you know, and there would be people trying to sell cotton candy. You know, it was just like a carnival, you know. Like, imagine the Kentucky State Fair. Alright? There you go, you got it. You know, so it's just all this stuff going on, and, you know, and. And, and, but it's awesome, you know, because it's right where the it's right where the heart of God was, because there was a lot of lost people there. So Julia began coming to our street church, and she would sit at the back, and, and and we just noticed over a period of time as we were worshiping, her hands would kind of go like this, and and then over uh, a few more weeks, her hands were kind of going like this, and and we saw this shy backwards woman that wouldn't even look you in the eye, just kind of come out of her shell and and, and give her heart to Jesus, and and, and got water baptized, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and now today this shy backwards woman that would not even look you in the eye is not leading by a house church of her own. Now listen, you've never read about Julia Hatton in any books. She's never made the local newspaper, has she? She's never been on CNN or Fox News. You're probably never going to read about her in a book. But if they sold newspapers in heaven, I believe Julia Hatton's name would go on the front page. They'd be shy, backwards woman, get saved. There's now being five house churches. These are the famous ones of Hatton. We may not read about them here, but the Lord knows who they are. And they're making an impact. And they're bringing in the harvest. This shy backwards woman now is the most bold man on my hands I've ever seen in my entire life. That's amazing the transformation in her life. Juliet was at a vacation Bible school. <clears throat> I think it's been about a couple of years ago now. And she noticed that at this VBS that the ministry was having, she noticed there was eight ladies that were standing on the outside who were um, just kind of hanging out waiting for their kids to come. Okay? And so, or for the kids to finish up the BBS. And so she went to these eight ladies and she said, Guys, tomorrow you come and we're going to have a women's Bible study. They said, Hey, that sounds great. So Julia goes home. She's starting to prepare her women's Bible study for the next day. His moms, you know, were just hanging out. And she thought, You know, no sense in you guys just hanging out. Just do something productive. And while she's home, she believes the Lord is speaking to her to buy these eight women a bar of soap. And so she goes and takes her entire day's wage and goes out and buys uh, eight bars of soap for these eight ladies. That's a great gift. Uh, and um, not a big gift for us, right? But a great gift for them. She sacrifices her, her, basically her entire day's wage. And she goes out and buys the soap for these ladies and bless these ladies. And so the next day she gets there and she's prepared. She's got her Bible study. She's got the eight bars of soap. And there's one little problem. There's not eight ladies. There's 23 ladies. Now, if you know anything about the Philippines, uh, it's, it's a collective society. In other words, what do you do for one, you have to do for everybody. Okay, you can't just give away a bar soap to these eight ladies and ignore the rest. Okay, so it's not like Americans where we're individualistic. Uh, this is a collective society, kind of like Latin America. And so she is praying and not really sure what to do, and she feels like the Lord says, "Start handing out bars of soap." So just by faith, she starts handing out bars of soap, and she hands out a bar of soap to this lady. To this lady, to this lady, number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight. She gets to lady number nine. She reaches in her little bag, and there's another bar of soap. She gets to lady number ten. There's another bar of soap. Lady number eleven. All twenty-three ladies got a bar of soap that day. I didn't see the receipt. My wife did. There was only eight bars of soap. 
God just multiplied her faithfulness and her obedience. And church, let me tell you, um, He multiplies your faithfulness and obedience as well. Yes, He really does. Your tithes, your giving, your giving to missions. God, in, in the hands of God, that is multiplied in ways that we may not even see here on this earth. It may be heaven before we sit. It may be heaven before we sit. Let me share with you another story. This is a young girl by the name of Sunshine. And when we first met Sunshine, uh, what a great name. What a wonderful name, right? I mean, they, they, in the Philippines, they name their kids all that. They have so many kids, you know, they just run out of names. I, we've even had, I even had the, uh, this one couple, they named their child after me. I thought, that one's really cool, you know. I have to support him, you know. But they, and they're like, there's like Tom Cruise and Michael Jackson. And it's just like, you know, I have like eight or ten kids. It's like, what are we going to name him, you know? And, and they put names together. They may say, like, Chris and Kent, they may say, uh, Chris Kent. That's his name, Christopher. You know, there's, there's all kinds of different, you know, unique, unique names. But her name is Sunshine. But when we first met her, there was no sunshine in her life. She was a street girl, living on the streets, uh, barefoot, running around, sniffing glue. That was her drug. That was the only drug they could afford, sniffing glue. Uh, running around with a bunch of boys. No hope, no future. Uh, Nothing to look forward to. And, and when we first met Sunshine, my wife and many other ladies just began to pour into her life. We just saw that there was value there, uh, and that she had purpose, and, and we knew that God had a call in her life. And so, so they just poured into her life. Sunshine, God loves you. Sunshine, she, there's, there's hope for you. He, he, he cares for you. He died for you. And if she would take like five steps forward, I mean like in the right direction. Then she'd take ten steps backwards. <laughs> and, you know, discipleship's a messy business, you know. And, and, and But over a period of time, this street girl who's living on the streets gave her heart to the Lord, got saved, got filled with the Spirit, and today she's leading five house churches on her own. Just amazing, absolutely amazing. A street girl, never read the Bible, never, you know, never even owned a Bible, now leading five house churches on her own. She's kind of like the Apostle Paul, wherever she goes, things just happen. Just amazing, beautiful child of God. She's kind of like the associate pastor of the entire ministry now. She does all the translation work. Just a beautiful soul. Just amazing what God has done in her life. Just got married not too long ago to my friend Kitley. And God's blessing them. He's using them. Once again, you're not going to read about her in the book. Maybe you will her. <laughs> but you've never seen her in any newspaper articles. You've never read about her on, uh, on the internet probably. Or nobody's ever interviewed her on the 700 Club or CNN. But she's famous in heaven. She's famous in heaven. And you guys have allowed us to pour into her life, especially her life. We've really had the opportunity to speak into her life. And I want to thank you for allowing me to speak into the life of Sunshine so that she can raise up others. How many souls will come to know the kingdom because of her obedience? Only heaven knows. Only heaven knows. Only heaven knows. This next young man is a kind of like an adopted son. His name is Bonnie. And uh, Bonnie, when we first met him, very um, very young kid, probably 10, 11 years old, not, not very old at all. And Bonnie just had a heart for God and he got saved. And, and today, this, this young man uh, who had no purpose, really, no future, he, he, his model in life, his model in life is this. I want to be a walking encounter of the Holy Spirit. He says, wherever I go, I want people to experience Jesus. And this kid is true to his, to, to his model. He's on Facebook you know, a lot, and so I'll, I'll keep up with him. And, and wherever he goes, he's just constantly witnessing, testifying, giving, telling people about Jesus. And he just sees all kinds of cool things happen. He was walking home one day, and he saw there was a girl who had fallen down, and she couldn't get up. And 
she either twisted her ankle or broke it, we're not real sure. And um, he comes up to her, her friends are trying to help her. And in the Philippines, like if you break your ankle, like they're, uh, they'll give you like a deep tissue massage on a broken ankle. I don't recommend that, but uh, my wife broke her ankle, and that's what they wanted to do, like a deep tissue massage. <laughs> no thanks, you know. Give me a cast or something like that. But anyway, he came across this girl. She fallen. They were trying to help her out, give her first aid the best they could. Ever. Nothing was working. And he just, on this dirt path, bebopping home, you know, he says, Hey, let me pray for you. Bends down, prays for it. This girl's instantly healed. She gets up and starts running around. She's like, Wow, I'm healed, I'm healed. She goes and tells like 10 of her friends. They come. He's able to share Jesus right there. Right there on the dirt path. Just by praying for this girl. Once again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing us to invest in the bodies. I could go on to 3 p.m. with story after story after story after story of how God is moving in the lives of people. But I want to share with you for a few moments before we leave here. As great as these stories are, there's even a greater story. And it's the story of your life. That's how God wants to use you. God is looking for people. Listen, church, we are in, we're, it's the fourth quarter. There's two minutes to go. And there's no overtime. That's just how close we are to the return of the Lord. We are that close. It could happen in our lifetimes. There is really nothing else holding the Lord back. The gospel is being preached throughout the world at a record rate. The gospel is going forward through social media today at a, at a record rate. Muslims are coming to know Jesus at a record number. It is amazing what's happening. And as we enter this last final stage before the Lord returns, I believe the Lord is saying, I'm looking for people right here in Richmond, Kentucky that will pray for people on the dirt path. <laughs> that will hand out maybe not bars of soap, but maybe apple pies. <laughs> you know? And so I just want to share that with you in just a moment. Here's a video I just want to show you. It's just kind of a thank you video. It's just a way for us to just, I can't go through the entire ministry of everything we've, we've done. Uh, but it's just a little video just to say thank you for your partnership with us. And thank you uh, for, for just for giving to our ministry. So you can just play the video. And when you see this video, you're going to see people being baptized in 55-gallon drums. Let me explain to you what happened. We were in the part of the Philippines we were in. We were two hours away from the ocean. You know, we're surrounded by the ocean. We were two hours away. And so there was no place to baptize people. And so the locals said, hey, you can just use 55-gallon drums. And so we said, hey, that sounds great. And, and, and the locals could do their own baptisms. It didn't have to be the, the missionary doing it. And so, so that's what you're going to see when you see that. It's, it's these 55-gallon drums are, are baptisms uh, that we use. And uh, glory, God, glory to God on that. So you about two years ago, um, we thought we were going to be in the Philippines for the rest of our lives. We love it there. We love Filipinos. When I die and go to heaven, I want to live with Filipinos. I love Filipinos. They're just awesome people. And uh, we thought we'd be there for the rest of our lives. But the Lord began to speak to us about two years ago about the country of Indonesia. How many of you have heard of the country of Indonesia? I know I talked to a brother here who's been there just not too long ago. If you look at the back of your shirt, it probably says made in Indonesia. <laughs> and a lot of your text, a lot of your clothing comes from there. So the largest Muslim country in the world, fifth largest country in the world, the largest Muslim country in the world. There's more Muslims in Indonesia than the whole Arab world combined. It's just a very large country. And the Lord began to speak to us about that country and began to just burden our hearts for, for that country. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we kept praying and, and just to make sure that this was the Lord. And indeed, he did speak to our hearts and said, yeah, I'm, I'm transitioning your ministry 
to Indonesia. And of course, we were worried about, well, what about the Philippines? And, and, and the cool thing about that is God provided everything we needed. New missionaries have come in. Nothing's been dropped. The ministry's still going forward. The lady that founded the ministry is still there. Everything's going great. So our absence of leaving, nothing's being dropped in the Philippines. And so, as, God, as I was mentioning, God spoke to our hearts about Indonesia. We visited the country, and when we got there, we were just broken for what we saw. There, was, there are areas the size of Richmond without one single church, or even one believer. The needs are so great there, and we said, yes, Lord, if this is where you're calling us, we are going to go. And so we are in transition right now to go back to, not the Philippines, but Indonesia. And when we get there, we, we are believing that the things we saw in the Philippines, God would do the same thing in Indonesia. We want to go, we want to plant house churches, and we want to work with uh, Kai Alpha through college students and so forth. About half the country is in the 20s, so it's a great opportunity to work through Kai Alpha and so forth. And so, so we're going just like we did in 2008. What are we going to do? Serve God. <laughs> How are we going to do it? As he leads. And so we appreciate you guys continuing to partner with us as we go there. And we would appreciate your prayers. As you leave today, I encourage you, please get a prayer card. And just pray for us that God would just open up the right doors. We're going to spend one year in language school. And then after that, we will get uh, situated where the Lord has, has led us. And so, uh, once again, just thank you so much um, for your partnership. Let me share a passage with you, and then we'll... Um, Pastor says you guys normally go to about 2 o'clock. So he said, take all your time. And some nervous laughter. That was a joke. Yeah, we're not gonna do that. There's the laughter we're looking for. In Mark chapter 4, it says this. It says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Mark 4, verse 26. I may not have given you guys that passage. I'm sorry if I did not. But listen to this. Mark 4, verse 26. And Jesus is describing the kingdom of God. And he says... He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man, everybody say man, Amen. or a woman, there you go, scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, listen to this, verse 27, Mark 4, 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I love this passage because it's so vivid of how the kingdom of God grows. I don't think God is asking you to go out and plant mustard seeds or that. What I do think God is asking us to do is to plant seeds of faithfulness. You know, I've been itinerating, this is my second time, and you know, it's, I've been I've been doing this a long time, uh, and, and I've probably traveled to well over 200 different churches. Almost every church in Kentucky that will have a missionary, I've been there. <laughs> and uh, I've been to a lot of churches, been to, talked to dozens of people, dozens of Christians all over the state and beyond different places we've traveled over the states. And, 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 and I've seen a common theme in almost everybody I've talked to, and that's this. And they all want to be used of God. I bet if I talk to all of you, the deepest heart that you, the, the, the deepest need of your heart is you want to feel useful. You want to feel that you, that God is using you. You want to see the kingdom of God grow as a result of your efforts. You want to hear those words, "Well done, good and faithful servant," when you stand before the Lord. 
I meet people and they say, I want to be like Bonnie. I want to, I want to see God work in my life like Juliet. I want to be a sunshine. And you know what? God wants to use you. God wants to use you maybe more than you even want to be used. God desires to work through you. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this. He said, God seems to do nothing apart from His people. What God can do in an instant, He gives to His people to do that may take them a lifetime. It seems that if anything happens in the kingdom of God, the growth of the kingdom of God, He always works through His people. It's not complicated. It's just simply being obedient to the voice of the Lord. You know, I think the number one thing that keeps people from being used by God is fear. Have you ever been somewhere? Maybe Walmart, maybe you're at Kroger, maybe you're shopping, maybe it's at school, maybe it's at the job, maybe it's just walking down the street, maybe it's at a family picnic or what have you. And, and you're there, and, you, and, and, you're, and, you, and I'm just talking to Christians right now, and you're there, and you feel the, you hear that still small voice of the Lord that says, go pray for that person. Pay for their groceries. Pay their utility bill. Invite them to church. Bake them a cake. Invite them over to your house. Give them your jacket. It could be a multitude of things, but you know that you've heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord is speaking to you to do something. And you're about to step out because you know you've just heard the voice of the Lord. But then all of a sudden you hear another voice. It's the voice of fear. It's like the good angel and the bad angel in the cartoons. And the, the voice of fear comes in and says, you better not do that. Because if you do that, you may look dumb. What if they reject you? What if you go and invite them to church and they tell you to go to? What, 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 if, you, what if you share your, your testimony with a co-worker and they reject you? What if you go and, and, and you, you, you know that the Lord said, go pray for that person, and you go pray for them, and they're not instantly healed? What if this, what if this, and all of a sudden, this voice of the Lord is drowned out by the voice of fear. Yeah. And all of a sudden, instead of taking three steps forward, you're taking ten steps backwards. And that moment, that opportunity just dissipates. It goes to the wayside throughout eternity. And you're like, Wow, I wish I could. I should have done that. Am I the only one that's ever experienced that? Unfortunately, I uh, confess to you this morning that I probably have disobeyed the voice of the Lord more than I have obeyed over the course of my life. Many times I've felt the Lord saying, go over there and say that to this person. Do this. I'm a big, bad, bold Pentecostal at 11.45 a.m. to 12 noon. <laughs> on Sunday mornings. It's safe here. But as soon as I step out those doors, it's a different world, isn't it? It's a different world. But yet, I encourage you, as you're reading the New Testament, ask yourself, where did 99% of Jesus' miracles take place? They didn't happen at First Assembly, did they, in Jerusalem? They happened at funerals. They happened at weddings. They happened all everywhere he went. And he wants to do the same thing in your life as well. He wants to do the same thing in your life. Listen, heaven and hell are real. And you and I, those of us who are believers, have the only answer. 
Let me just kind of unpack this a little bit more so maybe it makes a little more sense. Like I said, it's not complicated. I was speaking at a church a few weeks ago, and uh, there was a lady that came up to me after the service, and she was sharing her testimony. She had told me that, that she was um, she was depressed, down and out, just kind of ready to end it all. This was about eight years ago. She said, I was just, I was just at my, I was at my wits end again. I was just ready to just kind of end life. I just didn't know what was going to happen, and, and just life wasn't worth living. And she said, out of the blue, she said, I don't know this lady, I've never seen her again, but out of the blue, this lady just walked up to me. I think she was shopping at a store. This lady just walked up to me and said, um, God loves you, and he's got a plan for you, and there is hope in your life. And the lady just walked off. And, and as my, this lady was sharing with me, she said, I've never met that lady, never seen her uh, since that time. And she said, at that very moment, when that lady spoke to me, all of a sudden I had hope. I believed it was just what I needed to hear at that moment in my life. And now, here we are eight years later, this lady is sharing with me at the end of a service, and she's serving God now, and she's got her life right with Him. And, and, and I, I, I talked to her, and I said, where do you think your life would be if that lady had not obeyed, obeyed the voice of the Lord and spoken? And she said, I, I don't know where I would be. Spoke to a man two weeks ago in Lexington. I was sharing at a church, and he shared a very similar testimony. He was depressed and ready to end his life. And he said, there's a lady that just stepped out and, and at the church. He knew her. And, but she just came over to him and, and just said, you know, said, listen, God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Don't give up. And this lady didn't know what, what, her, what this man was going through. He said, then and there, I just, I just had hope. I just knew that God loved me and he didn't end his life. And I asked him, I said, where do you think you would be if, if that lady had not been obedient and spoken to your life? He said, oh, I probably wouldn't be here. I probably wouldn't be here. There are literally thousands of people within your sphere of influence who are yearning, who are yearning for, 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 for a move of God in their life. They don't know how to seek Him. They don't know what to do. They're probably not going to step through a church door on a Sunday morning until they meet a Christian who will bring them to the church. And they're just waiting for someone to speak truth into their life. I encourage you, when you hear the voice of the Lord, I encourage you, you step out. Listen, if, if you feel like God is telling you to tell somebody that He loves them and not to give up, even if that's not God, can you go wrong with that? I mean, can you really go wrong with that? Without the planting of seeds, there is no fruit, there is no harvest. Don't allow fear to hold you back how the Lord wants to work through you. And I know what some of you are saying. I'm not good enough. I, I'm, just, I'm just happy to be saved. I'm not good enough to be used by God. God would never... You're right. You're not good enough. You're absolutely positively right. You got that right, right? You're not good enough. And yet Jesus still wants to work through your life. He still wants to be a, uh, to, 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 for you to be His vessel that He can work through. And it's not complicated. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Benny Hinn. <laughs> you ever seen Benny Hinn? He waves his hand over the crowd and they all slain in the spirit. I, I tried that with my youth group when I was a youth pastor. They were a bad group. And so I was going to be Benny Hinn, you know, and wave my hands over the group and uh, open up my eyes and they're all waving back. <laughs> Man, that didn't work. You know what Jesus said? You be you. You just be you. 
Isn't this complicated? It's so complicated, right? I mean, you have to go to seminary to understand this stuff, right? God wants to use you. <laughs> what a profound thought. I think the number two reason that, that, that many people uh, don't, uh, that, that keep them from being used by the Lord is, is they don't see immediate results. Oh my goodness. We don't see immediate results. So they just kind of give up. Listen, your faithfulness to obey the Lord produces fruit whether you can see it or not. The man who plants the seed doesn't sit there and just watch the seed grow. He doesn't say, okay, well, come on, grow, grow, grow. Now you plant the seeds and, and who knows, it may be ten years before that harvest comes in. Verse 27, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Did you catch that? Night and day. What's Jesus trying to say? Is he talking about farming? No, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about planting seeds of faithfulness. And he's saying night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the farmer plants the seed and it sprouts and it grows, though he does not know how. No, you plant the seeds. And then Jesus takes over. The work that God is doing in you and through your life is far greater than just the here and now. Your faithfulness to obey God right now will outlive your date of death. When you exit this life, your seeds of obedience still continue to produce the harvest. Let me illustrate. I was at the cemetery a few months ago and I was visiting the cemetery plot of my great-grandfather. He was born in the 1800s, died in the 1900s. I never knew him. I don't know much about him. All I know is that he was a man of God, faithful to God. He couldn't read, he couldn't write, but he knew the Word of God. Because when preachers would preach, they would have these two-hour sermons. Do you think sermons are long today? Back in that day, man, they were like one, two hours and go all throughout the night. And so as preachers would preach, he would memorize the Word of God. And all I know about him is that he was very faithful, not educated, but he would pray for you in a moment. And I was just thinking about his life and just thinking about probably the things he experienced throughout his life. He didn't, real, didn't live to be really old. And, and, and the Lord just dropped the truth into my life right there. And, and uh, he said, Kim, your great grandfather is still having an impact today. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, Lord. I mean, he's been in heaven since 1950-something. How can he still be having an impact? And, and the Lord just showed me the progression. But because of his faithfulness to serve God, my grandmother served God. All 95 years of her life, she was a, a faithful Methodist. And uh, served Jesus with all her heart, all her soul, all her mind. And, and, uh, and then the Lord showed me that my mom, my mom went to be with the Lord. And, uh, she died early, only 56. And, but she served God in her lifetime because of my grandmother who served God in her lifetime because of my great-grandfather. And then the Lord showed me me. He said, Kent, you're serving God today because of the obedience of your great-grandfather here. His seeds of faithfulness here is still producing fruit over a hundred years from now. Did you catch that? It was as if the Lord was saying, you would not be where you are now without his faithfulness here. We love to talk about generational curses. <laughs> what about generational blessings? Yes. Your faithfulness to serve God right now may be having an impact on your great-great-great-grandchildren that you'll never meet until you get to heaven or until they get to heaven. Just being faithful to serve God.
I think about the Sunday school teachers in my life. The nursery workers. The, the, what's going on right now with the kids' church. Those kids' church workers, they don't know. that they, they may never see the full fruit of their obedience in the lives of those kids here on this earth. It may be heaven before they see how their impact made a difference. I think about my former Sunday school teacher, Hayes Montgomery. Hayes was always old. He was probably about the age I am right now. I just remember he's always white-haired. He's just always seen old. And I was the worst Sunday school kid that you could ever possibly come across. Least likely, least likely person to follow Jesus and be a missionary of all people. I was much more likely to be a bartender. I think, you know, Hayes did not live long enough to see the fruit of his investment in my life. But when I get to heaven, Hayes is going to be one of those first people I think. You see, as you invest in people's lives, the here and now, you may not see it with your eyes here and now, guys. It may be heaven before you see it. Your obedience in the hands of God is multiplied in ways that are beyond our ability to comprehend. John 6, 9 says, Here's a boy with five loaves and two fish. That young boy could never have imagined that God would use his lunch to feed 5,000 people. God is looking for your lunch. (laughs) What that may look like, I don't know. I just want to ask you a question right now. This is not to beat you up, but to encourage you. But I just want you to search your heart right now and ask yourself, when was the last time you felt prompted of the Lord to do something and you did it? All He's asking us to do is plant seeds of faithfulness. To be willing to pray for people. To be willing to, to just be His light in this dark world. Listen, you always have a green light. It's a green light. You always have a green light. There's no red light. There's no caution light. It's green. When you're serving Jesus, it's always a green light. You always have permission. You always have permission to glorify Jesus. You always have permission to pray for people. You always have permission to share your faith. You always have. It's a green light. You have a green light. And if you're waiting for something to come up on you before you allow God to use you, you're going to be waiting until the day you die. It will not happen that way. It's only as we step out. And I've I've, I've prayed. I was like, Lord, if I'm going to go to Indonesia, what am I going to to do, God? What am I going to do? And the Lord just says, be obedient. (laughs) But I want to know, God. I mean, I I want to step out and know that there's going to be something there when I step. Because I'm comfortable right now in the Philippines. And it was amazing because in 2008, I was very uncomfortable. (laughs) But after eight years, I got comfortable. And the Lord says, now it's time to be uncomfortable. I just want to be comfortable. Don't wait for that feeling. Your feelings will lie to you. It's a green light. You're saved. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Just say, yes, Lord, here I am. I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Every day you can just say, Lord, here I am. I want to be used today. Give me an opportunity. Show me where I can be used. And I'm telling you, you'll hear thunder in heaven. Because it's God falling down saying, oh my goodness. Somebody is not praying for their needs. Over, not that God doesn't care about your needs. Not that God doesn't care. 
But he's saying, oh my goodness, somebody said yes. And he will work through you. I've seen people that are barely, barely saved. I'm not even sure they're saved. And God's working through them. I'm like, how are you using them, God? I'm, I'm been a Christian much longer than them. It's because they're just saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I was in Jackson, Tennessee a few weeks ago after a service and driving home. My vehicle was having problems. I pulled over to the, I think it was a Kent Towery automotive shop. Everybody was busy except for one mechanic. And I know why he wasn't busy. His name, I think, was Bubba. And Bubba had every kind of problem that you could imagine. He could barely walk. I don't even know. I guess they just kept him employed because he needed the work. And Bubba began to work on my car and try to figure out what was going wrong. And, and I felt like the Lord said, pray for him. I felt like the Lord said, pray for him. I'm like, well, Lord, this is not first assembly. This is Ken Towery Automotive. There's all these people looking. And Bubba test drove my car, you know, to see what, see if he knew what was wrong with it. And, and I was in the passenger side. And as we got back to the automotive shop, I got out quick, you know, and went around to the to the driver's side. And, of course, he was very slow and, and couldn't get out very fast. And so I had the advantage he opened up the door to get out, and I said, Bob, I'm going to pray for you. I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. And he was trying to say, well, uh, and I didn't even give him a chance. I just laid hands on him, closed my eyes, prayed everything from Genesis to Revelation, a bunch of stuff I'm not even sure about, and just prayed in Jesus' name, amen. Bubba didn't get slain in the spirit. I don't think I don't know what happened to Bubba right then and there. All I know is I just felt like the Lord said, pray for him, and I did it. But it wouldn't surprise me that, that, that when it's my turn to go home to be with the Lord that I don't see Bubba there. And Bubba may say, hey, thanks for praying for me. You don't know what that meant that day. Don't always judge things by what you see with your eyes. You plant the seeds. Verse 28, all by itself, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel of the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it. Because the harvest has come. The harvest has come. But there is no harvest without the planting of seeds. Galatians 6 9 says, Do not become weary in doing good. Do not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So, my word to you this morning is this keep on being faithful, keep on serving. Don't measure your worthiness by the results that you see in this life only. God is working through you in ways that you probably don't even imagine. Your faithfulness just being here this morning, just serving God and saying, Lord, here I am this morning, I'm going to worship you. You don't know how that's going to impact your family. Lord, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they are your people that are called by you. You sanctified them, you set them apart, Father, and Lord, you desire to work through them. And Father, I pray this morning, Jesus, this morning, Father, that there would be a spirit of boldness that would replace a spirit of fear. That those who feel unworthy would not look to themselves, but would look to you, Father, for you desire to work through your people. And I pray, Lord, for a sanctified, creative imagination for your people. That they would say, yes, Lord, here I am. I want to be used by you, God. Show me what you want to do, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you work through your people in amazing ways, Father. I pray that, Father, in your name, Jesus, that you would work through your people, Father.
Would you give them creative new ways of, of sharing your love? And Lord, I also pray for those that are here this morning. Maybe they've not given their heart to you fully. Lord, they've never said yes to you, Jesus. That this would be their morning that they would give their hearts to you. Repent of their sins. Get right with you. Stop living their life they're living thinking things are going to get better. It's never going to get better until they give their hearts to you, Jesus. Lord, just speak to your people, Father. Lord, we love you and praise you, Father. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.